1: chickity check check cherished chummy champions, welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and op trivia podcast. This is episode 78, and of course, I am your humble host, Karen, and we are your gregarious, grungy group grasping for gripping granules. Mm.
2: <laughs> I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris.
1: And guess what, guys? It's time for our usual correction segment. Hooray! Um... Actually, yeah, Chris, you got a
2: um-actually. I got an um-actually. Time to suck it up and uh, admit defeat. Uh, listener Tom D. wrote us a comment and pointed out a very astute observation. I, in our show about temperatures, referred to degrees on the Kelvin scale, um, you know, because Kelvin is another way of measuring temperatures. The Kelvin scale, the unit of measurement, is called a... Kelvin. Mm, it is not yeah. a degree Kelvin like on the other scales. So it is one Kelvin, two Kelvins, three Kelvins, which would be super cold. Mm. Just like the cold ice burn delivered by Tom D. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I deserved it. You got and, served. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it's a really, really important point because that will probably come up on a trivia yeah. contest yeah, at some point. So yeah. like, what is the unit of measurement called? It is a, a Kelvin.
1: Now let's jump into our first usual general trivia segment. Pop quiz, Hotshot!
2: It's me again, because, that is because, uh, again, on a previous episode, we discovered, uh, hidden in a flea market here in Berkeley, California, a brand new copy of Jeopardy, the board game from the 1960s. Brand new in the 60s. Brand new in the 60s. We popped the shrink wrap open, and as it turns out, a lot of these Jeopardy category questions, they're we would not be able to answer them today. <laughs> um, um, I picked out two more categories out of sixties Jeopardy that I think we should be able to handle. Yeah, uh, usually
1: we just uh for pop quiz hot Chat, I just pick a random current yes, trivial pursuit yeah. card Indeed. which has a range of like pop culture and sports, mm-hmm. but this is all nineteen sixty.
2: I think that we should do fine. Uh all day, it's just every day. that some of these questions they may not they they might not want to pose these questions anymore on on Jeopardy. The, the way that they're phrased. it, Or the ways that the categories are phrased. That's because a different the first time. the first category is The Mysterious East. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> The right. uh, yeah, they probably wouldn't say yeah, that. Yeah, probably anymore. not.
3: Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's mysterious, but most of the world's population. Does that. So,
2: like, it's that like, people like... in the United States <laughs> in the 1960s. Yeah, for one hundred dollars, <laughs> the country which Marco Polo called Cafe. Oh, Karen, what is China? What is China? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Animal used in Malaya to help harvest teak wood.
1: Huh. Malaya like Malaysia?
2: Maybe. Uh
3: what is a water buffalo? Um no.
0: Oh
2: guessing Karen, Karen? Dana?
0: What is a yak?
2: Not a yak. Oh, I was going to guess what
0: is a yak. Uh, Can you you read Malaya?
2: Malaya. It is an elephant.
3: Oh.
2: Oh, Okay. okay. Um, In Japan, (laughs) sumo (laughs) is one form of this sport. Colin. What is wrestling? Indeed. (laughs) China fought an 1839 war in an attempt to stop the import of this product. Karen. What is opium? What is opium? Yes. $500 question. Japanese word for yes. <laughs> uh, Karen. Height. What is height? What is? Spelled, spelled H. Oh, sorry. H-I. What is height? Uh, in, the, in the Oh, really? Uh, questions. Oh. Yes. What is high? Should be
3: H- Hi. H-I. Yeah. Oh. Hi. Hi. Hi.
2: <laughs> our, our Double Jeopardy category is Mythology. <laughs> okay. Mm. Like
3: well, your... at least that hasn't changed much sure. since
2: the 60s. That yeah. is correct. Yes. Still, cool. Be, Still yeah, cool to say
3: good. Mythology. Yeah. In yeah.
2: fact, now that we all read comic books, it should be, uh, in fact, a lot easier. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's
0: true.
2: Isis and Osiris were deities to these people. <laughs> no. uh, Colin? Who are the Egyptians? Yes. Yeah. Who were the Sorry, Egyptians? Who, yes. says. who are right. the ancient Egyptians? Yeah. <laughs> because of course there are no Egyptians anymore. According well, to it this book, who were the
1: Egyptians? Oh, huh. uh. Yeah. Uh. yeah. Who are the ancient
0: Egyptians?
2: Substance of wings which melted when Icarus flew too close to the sun. Dana, what is wax? What is wax?
1: What's his dad' name? It's Icarus and uh, Daedalus. Daedalus.
2: Daedalus. Yeah, D is that right? Yeah. Yep. Great Hall in Asgard wherein Odin received souls of heroes. Great Hall. The Great Hall in Asgard. Oh. oh. Uh, so is that what
3: is Valhalla? What well, is Valhalla. Thor. Oh. Yeah. A- yeah. oh,
2: yeah. Eurydice's boyfriend.
0: Oh, um, what's Blank his name? And Eurydice. Yes, yeah. it's um, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Doesn't uh, begin with an o? What is, it's, what is it? It's, it's um,
2: he's not Lawrence Fishburne's character from the Matrix. No, but it <laughs> Or... Orpheus. Who is Orpheus? Orpheus. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Finally, the $1,000 question. Disappointed in love, she faded away till only her voice remained. (laughs) Oh, Karen! Echo.
1: What is Echo? What is Echo? What is Echo? Who is
2: Echo? Who is? Who is is, is is Echo? Echo. Although she was
0: a nymph, so maybe she's a what What? and not a who.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I am very, I am very lax with my with my Jeopardy, uh, (laughs) and so yes, I accept. I will accept that.
1: Yay! Sixty Jeopardy! Good job, brains. So we get a lot of questions about our podcast and... Like, like what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you guys so ugly? <laughs> uh, so I figured I'd share some from email, from Facebook, from Twitter, and we'll, we'll share a couple of these. First off, someone asked, how do you decide who does what
3: bit? Hmm. Hmm. It's kind of just whoever grabs something. Yeah. 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 You you, you stake your claim on whatever you want to talk about.
1: Not a lot of people know this, but what we do is we set up a topic, which is really general. You know, like a couple of weeks ago was on hot things and that can be interpreted as, you know, chili pepper hot or it can be heat and temperature. And Mm -hmm. so it's a pretty broad topic. And then all of us find something within that topic to research about.
2: We've well, given each other an idea of mm-hmm. what we're doing, but we yeah. also try to not let on too much about what mm-hmm. it is we're, we're
0: talking about. Because we're cheaters and we would research it so we can answer the question.
3: It's
2: are trying to be mysterious. It's just, a, yeah. Yeah. It's, not about, it's just about trust, or in this yeah. case, not trusting <laughs> <you>. <laughs> mm. And
1: sometimes we show up on day of recording not knowing at all who's doing what Right before the show we'll kind of be like well I'm talking about something Mm -hmm. like this last week for numbers Colin's like I got a music quiz and I'm all it's gonna be number music quiz so I'm already thinking like what numbers
2: are... Yeah, I was I was trying to be very and...
3: circumspect in how to put it down, because I don't want you to show up having already sort of, you know, not like cheating, but accidentally mm-hmm. brainstormed... Right. Accidentally Pro- it, researching yeah. the answers uh, to
0: right. We can't, <laughs> we can't
2: surprise each other either, totally, because yeah. we will both show up having researched uh, the same thing if yeah. we don't...
3: You All know. four of us did Bombardier Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> so it what do we do now?
1: Mm. <laughs> Lastly, we have a question from Jonathan Barnett and Emily Murdoch, and they asked us, "What did you guys study in school?"
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What did I study in school?
2: <laughs> that was a long time ago. Japanese. I majored in Japanese. Are you yeah. fluent? hundred no, percent. No, 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 no. I wouldn't say so.
0: Dana, what did you study? So for undergrad, I did sociology, and I did social research for a while, and then I was like, I want to do something different. So I went, I took a bunch of night school classes in engineering, and I thought about being an engineer for a while, computer programmer. And then I took a flash game making class, and I was like, "Oh, I want to make games!" And so I went back to school and I got a degree in learning design and technology, and I'm a game designer. That's what I do.
3: I studied psychology and art history. That was just kind of just based on what interested me, and I don't necessarily know that I applied either one of those in my in my day to day working me too. <laughs> life. You know, the art a little bit, art and design definitely goes into it. Uh...
1: I went to uh, I went to architecture school, like for architects mm. to become. An architect and mm-hmm. I got it I was like you know what I like playing video games so I'm not gonna do architecture anymore and this week we're actually going to talk about school it is September many of you already started uh, your first day of school your first week of school and we thought we'd dedicate this episode to weird interesting fun facts so classes in
0: session I don't think I' ever make it
3: All right. cause I'm saved by- All right, guys, time for a quiz. Take out a sheet of paper and your number two pencils. What's that? Will pins work. work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 What is this paper and <laughs> pencil, pencil you speak of? I don't number think two.
1: I've used a pencil in a... I don't think I've uh, handwritten like something in oh, really? a really long time. I don't remember yeah. what my handwriting looks like. I, hate, Every, my, I, just I type. I, I, I type
3: everything. Mm-hmm. Even, yeah, even in school, I hated writing everything. But we did. A lot of the things, it, was, it had to be paper and pencil. The classic yellow number two, yes. often mm-hmm. a Dixon Ticonderoga. Oh, yeah. Pencil. Yeah. Uh, at least in America, it is seemingly uh, ubiquitous. With uh, the
1: crappy erasers that kind of just fall out.
3: The with little pink erasers. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. So there is so much just great, you know, kind of nerdy <laughs> trivia wrapped up in this one object of the yellow number two pencil mm-hmm. with the pencil lead and the eraser on the thing. So let's just unpack this a little bit. So right. Okay. right off the bat, well, let's, let's just get this. Pencil. Let's just get this out of the way. So wh- why is it number two? What? What is? Why? Wh- oh, what, I don't know. When you oh. said, "Oh, Karen," I, I, I thought for sure. I was like, "All right." out of the yeah oh, guys. So what is a number two pencil? What does it refer it is, to? It's a,
2: it's a measure of the softness of the graphite or the hardness of the graphite. Oh, yeah.
3: right. like H2. So Karen, the reason I thought you might know the number one is, so as Chris, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. The, the one through four are sort of the standard. There's a one, a two, a 2.5, a three, <laughs> and a four. Are they all yellow? Well, so we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. We'll get to that okay. in a minute. Okay. So this is just about the, the lead or the graphite actually mm-hmm. on the inside. So the one are the really soft ones. And so like at either mm-hmm. end of the they kind of tend to be specialized. So ones mm. are really popular with artists and people who do a lot of drawing because they're really soft, smooth lead. It kind of spreads easily. Oh, yeah. But th- th- it wears down really quickly because it's so soft. Right. So at the other end of the extreme, you get into your threes and your fours. It's a really hard lead. It predicts a really kind of a light line, oh, but I it see. lasts longer. So and- it's
1: like the H scale and the B scale in, yeah. in drafting and drawing
3: pencils. Yeah, you have a yeah.
1: B1, B2, H1, yeah. A2. Mm-hmm.
3: A lot of the rest of the world, Europe and Asia in particular, use the h HB yes. scale. Ah. Right, where H is for hard, mm-hmm. meaning like the fours, of the really rigid, and then the B is for black.
1: Why does America have to uh, have a weird measurement standard for everything. for everything?
3: Well, you know what? Actually, the one through four measure the numbering system came from Europe. The number and Whoa. it came into America and then sort of fell out of favor in Europe. I remember, you know, one of the first little bits of like, oh, trivia, fun, I learned mm-hmm. as a kid is like, oh, you know, it's not it's not lead in the pencil, it's graphite. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we call it pencil lead, uh-huh. and they did actually used to use lead for writing. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, you go like back. PB yeah. lead. Yes, like actual lead. Lead. Yep. Yeah. What a no. bunch of when did they stop? When did they stop using lead? <laughs> they, People <laughs> started right dying. When the
2: that, yeah.
3: <laughs> they didn't stop using lead in pencils uh, until around the 1500s, and this okay. is a oh, okay. this is a great story. They discovered graphite. All of it. They kind of just they didn't really know what graphite We're just walking was. Walking down the
2: street one day, <laughs> there like, is oh, a hey, story
3: that goes that in England, in Cumberland, England, England, a gigantic tree uprooted this is sometime in the 1500s and attached to the roots of the tree and exposed by the roots of the tree were the, just these big globs of this dark you know heavy substance that people found really made good lines mm-hmm. really marked oh. really well they called it black lead oh, okay. or oh. plumbago
0: Plumbago. I'm like, <laughs> that plumbago. Is the like, n- it sounds like a delicious fruit doesn't it like <laughs> yeah, plumbago.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> think right. of like a winnebago but shaped like a giant plum on wheels.
3: <laughs> yeah, plumbago meant like lead lead ore, lead lead deposit. And they huh. thought that yeah. this was another type of lead. I don't even know what graphite Graphite is, is carbon. It's a uh, It's like
1: charcoal, right? It's like burned up wood or something, right? It's
3: it's a different no, it's it's not burned up, but it's just a different form of carbon. The way like diamond is one form of carbon. Okay. Graphite is another form of Got carbon. It. Right. <laughs> just depend on how the you know how it's arranged. The name graphite didn't come along until 1789, actually. So for mm-hmm. hundreds of years, they just mm-hmm. called it black, black lead leather. or plumbago, right? Mm-hmm. And graphite means writing stone because it was sort of named afterward. Like this stone that we use for writing, let's give it a name. Mm-hmm. And it was coined by a guy who was basically trying to say, no, I don't think this is actually lead. I think it's something different. I think it's its own material. Mm-hmm. But as people still called it pencil lead after hundreds of years.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's it yeah. just
2: stuck. It's still called pencil lead.
0: Yeah. I remember – this is a dumb story. I remember when I was a little kid like, – like if you got a cut and with the pencil, you're just messing around with the pencil and things happen. and yeah, you got stabbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stab, yeah, You're like, oh, I'm gonna get lead, lead poisoning. poisoning. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but graphite. This was this was a huge deal. I mean, and it basically from from the discovery of graphite. For the next hundred years, the best pencils came from the best graphite. And if you controlled the world's graphite supply, you were just the... So not surprisingly, the English for a long time were just, oh, oh, all the best pencils come from Cumberland graphite, you know, Uh and it was, they they didn't really know where the great deposits of it were.
2: Because nobody had been looking for it.
3: No one had been looking for it. They didn't even know it was a separate substance at first, right. England and France—they go to war occasionally. Yeah, you know, sure. if, you, if you know your history, you know they've mm-hmm. they've been at war many, many, many times. So, so during one of the many wars between England and France, uh, there was a blockade, and one of the things that the English were like, "No, France, you can't have any of our awesome Cumberland grassite Yeah. Oh my god. So uh,
2: they there pencil was... blocked them. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. They pencil blocked the French. Yeah, <laughs> they
3: did. But you know, like many other inventions, uh, necessity drives great inventions. So, a man named Nicholas Conte. Oh, Conté. drawing pencils and yes, yes. art supplies. One of my favorite just as very quickly. One of my favorite bits of looking at the history of pencils is all the big names that we know today Still are the big names. Yeah. Conté, Faber, Faber-Castell, yes, yes. Yeah. Staedtler. These are all Statler. of the, Yeah, Dixon. These are all the the original big names. <laughs> right. and big I like the so nobody is so excited so about office
0: supplies. You're like <laughs> oh nobody has God. really
2: disrupted the, the pencil industry in the manner there's been no Steve Jobs yeah. right. Uh, of pencils Dis- lately. Yeah.
3: Pencil impresario's ruling. <laughs> um, so he was forced to come up as he couldn't have access to high quality graphite. And so what he came up with is really what is we still use today is the modern graphite making process for pencil leads, which is you take powdered graphite and it doesn't matter if it's high quality because what he did is he mixed it with water and clay into kind of like a like a, a paste or a slurry and then extruded it into oh, really long uh, I love, strips. I love extruded uh-huh. slurry. Fi- fired Stop. them. <laughs> Stop fired them in a kiln so they were, you know, oh, hardened hardened, yeah, and more dried. durable. And and this became just a breakthrough in the world of, of pencil making. It was a very like, top secret process. Thing. And this like, is still um, not in a wooden canister like a pencil. This is just stick. They, they were at this point encasing them in wood in a few different ways. The basic process today is still pretty similar. Is You, you have two slats of wood. You lay a piece down in the middle. You put another slat on top and you glue them together. And, They're
0: glued together? It's yeah. One yeah. Have you ever broken a pencil? Oh, it's... You
3: Can't you see a seam on it? You can see the seam, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought
1: they took a really long drill and drill like, yeah, in each dowel. Well,
3: that was an (laughs) early procedure for doing it. Making pencils was tedious. All right, now.
2: (laughs) This is about to get serious. Yeah. Yeah. Why are pencils yellow?
3: Yes, that's my question. Why are they yellow? All right. Oh. So, like so many other things we've talked about before, it's just a great marketing ploy oh, that was successful and everyone no. copied. In 1889 at the World Fair in Paris. Always the Always, always Fair. The world yeah, always yeah. Ball yeah. Ball. yeah. The Kohanor Hartmouth pencil debuted, and now remember, I said that you know wherever the best graphite came from was the best pencils. So at this time, it was kind of like, oh, the best graphite is Chinese. It's the best graphite oh. comes from there, and so they they mysterious r- yes. East, yeah. Yeah. exotic East. So so that was part of the marketing of the Kohanor pencil, and it was oh. it was Mysticism. billed as the top finest best pencil in the world you can buy so and I it was pricey it and they painted it yellow <laughs> there's a little dispute actually all over right. exactly why yellow but for whatever reason they picked yellow huh. uh-huh. and the story went that customers were like i want the yellow pencil oh, oh okay. give me the that yellow one and so okay. it, that became the de facto color for high class high quality huh. pencils huh. and that continues today at least in the states all right
1: wow <laughs> a lot of history in uh-huh. that one one little thing
2: it is amazing
3: china huh
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Mysterious seas. Mysterious
1: <laughs> okay, I can't wait anymore I gotta share this with you guys So one of the things Before I went to college You know, I hear about The Freshman 15 The Freshman 15 And of course you guys mm-hmm. know What I'm talking about, right? right. This is a yeah. very common term Right Freshman 15 is The quote phenomenon where uh,
2: the, <laughs> the co- unexplained mystery <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, where kids go to college in the freshman year and they would gain 15 pounds mm. mm-hmm. I'm actually interested if there are other sayings around the world if they call uh-huh. it something else but but in America we call it freshman 15 where does it come from, and is it true? It is not true. It is a myth. It oh, is really? a big really? old yeah. myth. Oh.
3: Now, they is it myth. is it not true, like, it doesn't happen at all, or it's not true, it's not really 15 pounds?
1: Okay, so there's yes, for both. The Ohio State University uh, did a study. On average, women and men probably gain around 3 pounds, but less than 10% of the freshmen actually gains 15 mm-hmm. okay, or, or more. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of factors, right? There could be because... You're not having solid meals. You're, you're stressed nobody, out from your, school. Your parents
2: are not like watching you eat anymore. You're not eating with your parents. You can eat whenever you want. Mm-hmm. You might my have partying
1: done, and drinking. You're part. You're
2: drinking a lot more than you used to in high school. But you're
1: also coming out of your teenage years. You're oh, coming yeah. out of puberty, you're, right? So hormones, you're not, yeah. yeah. Hormones, so, right? And your, your metabolism, super fast, is, metabolism is, is
2: slowing down a little bit. Maybe you used to uh, be an athlete in high school, mm-hmm. and you're not mm-hmm. playing on sports teams anymore. Or vice versa, like,
1: and actually. Twenty five percent, a whole quarter of students actually lost weight I in their first. I lost yeah. weight because oh, really? I had to walk yeah. everywhere. Uh-huh. But uh, where did it come from? Where did the saying come from? It came from a nineteen eighty nine issue of Seventeen magazine, <gasps> and on the cover, right on the cover, the headline is. Fighting the freshman fifteen. It's just that recent. Nineteen eighty nine. No, they it, call it the over. freshman
2: fifteen because it's alliterative. Yeah,
1: it, it is yeah. because fighting
3: freshman,
2: freshman fifteen. 15.
1: Finding the Freshman Five doesn't sound as as, as a bigger draw. It doesn't sound as bad. Yeah, 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 exactly. That sounds like a
3: group of outlaws on campus, the Freshman Five, the last scene. Like,
1: holy crap, 15 pounds, and it just basically kind
3: of caused panic. I would have guessed it was like 50 years old, that saying. Mm -mm.
1: 1989, first written, first appeared, 17 magazine. Interesting.
3: All
0: right, I have a quiz for you guys. Great. It is about famous people who used to be teachers. People who are famous mm. not for being a teacher, but who oh. were a teacher at some point oh, in their career. Okay, I'm starting to think of some already. All right, <laughs> let's see. Let's see if they're on the list. He taught school for a few years before going to law school, and he was also the second president of the United States.
1: <laughs> John Adams. Yes, John Adams. <laughs> I, you know I was what? Like which one? <laughs> There's
0: two. This is what he said about the kids in his class. Why he decided to go to law school and not be a teacher anymore. He called them. <laughs> There's a large number of little rentlings, just capable of lisping A, B, C and troubling the master. Is how he talked about his students. <laughs> so, not, not a lot of empathy. It's good he moved on. To
1: I
2: know. Maybe they should have gotten him out of pre-K. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah.
0: This former elementary school music teacher composed the album "Come On, Come On" in the wake of her breakup from Owen Wilson. Yes, the Who actor. Who dated oh. Owen
1: Wilson?
0: Who had an album, Come On, oh, Come On? Um, man. I do not. I don't know. know.
3: I'll, 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 I don't know. Sheryl Crow? Sheryl Crow!
0: Oh, no way! <laughs>
3: Good job. <laughs> Amazing. Good job, <laughs> Um,
0: He was a high school principal at the Mexican-American Wellhausen School in Cotilla, Texas. He was also the 36th president of the United States and tied with Lincoln as the tallest president at 6'4". Oh, God.
3: He was a tall dude. 36. 36. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that Lyndon Johnson? Yes. Whoa. Oh, you got it for 36. Uh, well, I was thinking later period, I could figure out. Yeah, okay. I mm-hmm. can just count backwards. Well,
1: that's not fair because Abraham Lincoln wore a top hat, so it makes him, you know, your perception <laughs> of him is so much
3: <laughs> taller. He I'm is pretty sure without do. the hat. I'm... In the wild, that is the Lincoln's natural defense technique is to make itself look bigger.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Puma <laughs> attack.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs>
0: This musician was teaching math in Connecticut when Bridge Over Troubled Water reached the top of the charts. Art Garfunkel? Yes. He was a math teacher. When yeah. He, he looks yeah. like a math teacher. Yeah. He, does. he,
2: totally he does. does. Yeah, you're right. He totally does. does. Hey, kids. Let's comes learn and sits, he song. sits on a chair backwards. Yeah. A cool <laughs> way.
0: Mr. Garfunkel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, just, uh, just
2: call, just call, call me. Mis- me Mr. Art. But I'm not your art teacher. I'm um, your math teacher. No.
3: Uh, <laughs> oh what a fully I, realized vision. Like That's amazing. Uh, just with like tweed jacket and the curly afro.
2: And it comes with his
0: acoustic guitar.
2: And And here's to you, Mrs. Algebra. (laughs) (laughs) I think all of us had that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah."
3: That was the opening scene for the Chris Kohler Art Girlfunkle biopic.
0: (laughs) This author and former school teacher was inspired to write Lord of the Flies after allowing a classroom of boys to debate freely.
2: Whoa! Uh, William Golding. Mm. Yes, Something. Sir William William Golding.
1: Oh, I can see that. I can see that. And right. He's just, just standing there, like hmm.
0: this is
3: chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're so cruel to each other. Yeah. Cool.
2: Then the first one dies.
3: He's
0: like, should I stop this? them or start no. writing? Like that's just boys
3: being boys. I don't know. <laughs> Human nature.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Um. Last one. Who taught speech at the Boston School for Deaf Mutes and is also well known for creating a communication device we use today?
2: A communication
3: he
0: device. He taught yes.
3: mm.
2: Alexander Graham Bell. Yes.
0: Oh, okay. He taught speech at yeah. the school, and he married a student from there oh. when she turned nineteen. She was nineteen. <laughs>
2: But that means they met before. <laughs> and, and, of out. course, not that actually Different anyone times. uses a telephone anymore.
0: Oh, you're right. right. He didn't admit texting. I'm sorry. He didn't admit
1: Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So as we record this podcast, we're very close to Silicon Valley, the Northern California hub of many of the technology companies. But did you know that in the in the 1950s and 1960s in America, one of the absolute hotbeds of computer technology companies was Minnesota?
3: What? Mm. Yes, huh.
2: Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota was like... If, if things had gone slightly differently, we could be referring to that as, like, Silicon. as Silicon Valley. IBM, Cray, Honeywell, all the old, you know, the big computer companies, they all had branch offices and such. They were all doing a lot of research in Minnesota. Weird, right? We might all be living in Minnesota right now. <laughs> the video game industry. I
3: might have never been born.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always confuse Silicon Valley and yeah. silicone,
2: no. Valley. I, oh, silicone Valley. What's Silicon Valley? Like... I think that's down in LA. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
3: That's that's for something else.
2: Silicon
3: Valley.
1: You know, growing up, I always mixed up the two. I thought it was the same thing. I I think if you just
3: spend a few minutes on Google, you'll see that it still gets mixed up quite a bit. (laughs) Right, sure. Yeah.
2: So the the state of Minnesota, the state, the the government of Minnesota, of course, realized a lot of what was going on, and they were actually a very early proponent of computers in education Mm -hmm. and sunk a lot of resources into uh, getting computers into their schools. The government. the, The Minnesota. Minnesota government did into you know universities and like mainframe computers and stuff like that, but even really early proponents of getting computers into like primary schools and mm. like, high schools and mm-hmm. middle schools, stuff like that in the within the state of Minnesota. In the early 1970s, they were getting a lot of mainframe computers up and running that the schools could access. And so what they did that was really like forward-thinking and really interesting was that. Various state governmental organizations in the state of Minnesota came together in the early 70s to create the Minnesota Educational Computing Consortium, or MECC.
1: I know that. You've
2: heard of that acronym, <laughs> uh, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why you know it. So, like, when they started up in, in the early 70s, they had hired, one of the, their first hires was a young uh, college graduate named Don Rowich. And he was, while he w- had been a student teacher a couple of years before, still getting his degree in Minnesota and, like, going to schools, he was having trouble teaching some classes of kids history. And so he had actually, with a couple of his fellow student teachers, created or started working on a board game. That would teach the kids about the, the Western expansion of the United States. People going from, you know, the East Coast and traveling in covered wagons and such to the West Coast. These guys had been, you know, at their universities, like using the early computers. Mm-hmm. And so they did out this board game and they were like, wait a minute, we, we could do this as a computer game. They called it first Oregon, uh, mm-hmm. and eventually named it Oregon Trail.
0: Yay! Yeah. So.
2: And when you buy Oregon, when you used to go and buy copies of Oregon Trail in stores, it was published by the MECC, the Minnesota Educational Computing Consortium. So Oregon Trail, the game now is, is often, it's a, it's a video game that is, that school kids still play. Uh, they've got versions on Facebook and, uh, you know. And then on
1: iOS. And on iOS. You know.
2: And you can play, even adults like to play it now. And basically it is a, it's a very early simulation video game. You start as a family of people who want to move from the, the eastern United States and like forge a new life in the frontier of the, of the West in the 1800s. And so it tells you who you are. Are you a farmer? Are you a banker? Are you a doctor or whatever? And, and that determines kind of how much money you have. And you have to buy supplies, and you go out on the trail. Bad things happen to you (laughs) because because it's the wilderness, and people get bit by snakes, and people people get dysentery. dysentery. Um, They
0: die of it. They die of
2: dysentery. Sometimes sometimes your family dies. But the whole point (laughs) was it was to give you know kids an idea of like you know a very interactive idea of like this is what it was like, and this is what you had to do. The first rudimentary version of this was created on what was known as a time-sharing computer. Mm. Um, they did not have personal computers in the early 1970s. I mean, basically, this was not something that people had access to. Not a lot of people had access to computers in general. So the way that a lot of these computers worked back in the day was through time-sharing. Mm. You had a computer terminal, which you used to interact with this computer. But then many, many people all sat in front of terminals... And there was only one computer. There was no monitor. It was a teletype machine. So there was a roll of paper. I mean, imagine a typewriter, basically. But you type something on the typewriter. And then the typewriter (laughs) typed back at you on the next line of paper... What happened? There's one line at a time. So, it's so I mean, really, it's like, you know, go west. And then the computer spits back at you, okay, I just went west. But, like, it's on a piece of paper that's getting rolled through this machine. And so when you were done playing the game, you had a whole paper printout of the whole game that you had just played. And so that's how they played Oregon Trail. The only thing that was really, really remarkably different than the versions we play now, I mean, there were no graphics, but... To go hunting, because there's segments in which you go hunting in Oregon Trail, and it's actually a little action game. You, you, you go out and find animals and you shoot them. Mm-hmm. In this one, it just says, okay, you're hunting. And you have to type, bang,
0: <laughs> <laughs> with an exclamation
2: point. And if you type it fast enough, remember that not a lot of students were like good touch typers back in those days. If you typed it fast enough, it was like, great shot. You got a hundred pounds of food. Oh. And if you didn't type it fast enough, it was like, you missed. <laughs>
0: That's a good game right now. That's a good mechanic. Huh. Hmm.
2: As the 70s draw on, the MECC realizes, oh, personal computers are the big thing now. Like, we need to start getting actual, like, you know, self-contained personal computers into schools. So they take bids from the big personal computer makers. And surprising everybody, the one they end up going with is the young upstart named Apple.
1: Mm -hmm. and the
2: Apple II. They did not go with an established name. like Mm. Apple just submitted a little bid, and they were like, yeah, we'll go with these guys. So the state of Minnesota places a huge order for the Apple II computer. So Don Rowitz, so then he gets hired by the MECC, and they're like, we need programs. It's like, oh, I've got... Oregon mm-hmm. and the state of oh. Minnesota and these guys start programming, including Oregon Trail, which is that is the version that I first played when I was a kid. It looks like an Apple II, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But I didn't live in Minnesota; like I lived in Connecticut. I lived yeah. in California. You lived in yeah, California, yeah. and your school probably had a lot of Apple IIs with Oregon Trail, right? Yeah. Reason for that is because of what happened in Minnesota, because the MECC bought all these Apple IIs, They got all these Apple II programs. They create all their own Apple II educational programs and send them for free to the schools in Minnesota. Other states were like, hey, <laughs> can we have some of those? And it's like they a were turnkey
3: like, solution already. Right. Go.
2: So they were like, yeah, well, I mean, all our programs are for Apple. So the states were like, okay, great. Well, we'll buy a bunch of Apple IIs, and then yeah. you guys license us all this pieces of software. Other states would pay Minnesota, hmm. and then Minnesota would send them video games. hmm. hmm. The MECC eventually they spun it off as its own private company because it was doing so well it didn't need state funding anymore. Um, and then it was bought by the Learning Company, mm-hmm. yes. um, yeah. which is Carbon now Carmen San Diego, San Diego yeah. uh, which is now owned by Houghton Mifflin uh, Harcourt, mm. I think it's called the, the book the company pu- publisher. Yeah. yeah, and so both the same company ah, owns.
1: I remember yeah. uh, Number Munchers. Yeah,
2: the MECC. I mean, they they just cranked out a lot of educational games, and for a long time they're it was, good. It was part of the the government mm-hmm. of of Minnesota.
0: Very cool. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, they found a test in Salina, Kansas from 1895. Whoa. That people gave to eighth graders. Oh, okay. Uh, and I have looked at this uh, test and it is, it's tricky. Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, eighth grade at that time was like graduating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, yeah, <laughs> like you like a wife pre- and yeah, kids. You and weren't here, far yeah. away from
2: your midlife sure. crisis. <laughs> <after> <laughs> law school. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Off to law school. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so I pulled
0: some questions from it and I'll ask oh, you guys and no. we'll see how we do. Okay. Yeah.
1: So are you smarter
0: than a eighth grade? Uh, eighth grader. No. Yeah. No. No. no, no, probably not. No, give the nine rules for the use of capital letters. Oh my god! <laughs> Did oh, you nine. know there were nine? So, nine. is it
2: like at the beginning of a sentence? Yeah. Uh, proper nouns. Holy uh, <laughs> abbreviations. abbreviations.
0: Uh huh.
3: There's
2: three. Wow! Three out of nine. Chemical chemical symbols it's probably like chemicals a in those proper days oh my god
3: Maybe. yeah so, so like proper nouns, nouns, proper
2: nouns names if that's part of oh yeah, Title case. Oh, yeah. This... wow we at like four <laughs> yeah no. all right okay
0: capitalize the first word in a sentence capitalize the pronoun i and the interjection o uh. like they used to say mm. o more oh. yeah uh, capitalize the first word in a quotation capitalize the first word in a direct question uh mm. falling within a sentence. Capitalize all nouns referring to the deity and to the Bible (laughs) and other sacred books. (laughs) Use a capital letter for president and presidency when these refer to the office of the president of the United States. Uh Use a capital letter for official titles. Capitalize proper nouns and adjectives formed from proper nouns. Capitalize Mm, every mm. word except conjunctions, articles, and short prepositions in the titles of words. Or works of literature, music, arts books, mm-hmm. et cetera. Oh, wow. There's a lot of them. Yeah, well, so we, we all
1: understand of all of them.
2: But yeah, yeah, they're
0: all right. You're, you're like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. Like, oh, yeah, but... sure, of course. Yeah, it's you do. capital yeah. I. Yeah. District number 33 has a valuation of $35,000. What is the necessary levy to carry on a school seven months at $50 per month and have $104 for incidentals? Pass. I, pass. Yeah. Pass. Yeah. pass. Yeah. I'll read their answer. I was okay. like, oh, this is how you do valuations on school districts? Like, what? Like, <laughs> like, these are things any eighth grader
3: needs to know, Dana. Sorry.
0: <laughs> levy. levy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the cost of seven months of school each equals fifty dollars times seven which is hundred and four dollars therefore four hundred and fifty four dollars mill levy is therefore four hundred and fifty four minus thirty five thousand dollars which equals a point zero one three levy or dollar thirty per a hundred dollar valuation of the district. Wow. Okay last one. Who are the following Morse, Whitney, Fulton, Bell, Lincoln, Penn and Howe. So first Morse. All right, well, Samuel Morse. Samuel Morse. Yes, telegraph. Morse code. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Inventor telegraph. of the telegraph. telegraph mm-hmm. Right. Eli Whitney. Yes. Cotton, Cotton gin. gin. Oh. Uh, Fulton.
2: Fulton. Is it the s- steam, steam, engine? steam engine?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. kind of. Robert Fulton, the inventor of the first successful steam-powered paddle wheel boat. Okay. I'll
2: accept. Yeah. I'll accept your answer, You Yeah, I accept. I feel
0: like partial credit. Bell. Uh, Alexander, Alexander Graham Bell, Bell, inventor of the texting.
2: telephone.
0: And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <In> the vines. <bind. laughs> inventor of uh, Lincoln.
2: Never heard of no. him. No. <laughs> uh, inventor of the Lincoln log. <laughs> inventor yes. of the stovepipe hat. <laughs> Correct. Moving on. Oh,
1: no. Oh. oh too
0: soon. How about Penn? William Penn?
1: Yep.
3: Yeah. No, no, no,
1: Philadelphia in, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah,
3: but what what was his claim
2: to fame? Didn't he something railroad? Founded, no, wait, was like it? founded the Pennsylvania colony. Yeah. Oh, in, yeah. Okay. In, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The
0: colony right. of Pennsylvania in ah. 1682. How about
1: how H O W E? Oh,
0: sounds familiar. Um, H
2: O W E. Gordy mm. Howe, obviously,
3: <laughs> winning as <laughs> well, hockey player. Well known to 1895. Of all time. <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't know.
0: Elias Howe, inventor of the sewing machine. Oh,
2: yeah. As in, how am I going to get these pieces of fabric to together? Stay
0: together yeah. All right. So we learned a little bit. That was uh, pretty cool. We're, we're getting closer to eighth grader from 1895. <laughs> it's a long, long, hard death march to that. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> doing the budget for a school district. Yeah. <laughs>
3: From butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between.
0: You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new.
3: Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. So uh, last year the Times Higher Education World Reputation Rankings uh, released Whoa. a list mm-hmm. of what they said are the is
2: this the, the best party schools.
3: <laughs> no, this is uh, this may be maybe the opposite. These are the globally recognized super brands Ooh. among uh, universities. What means super brands? These are the, the best combination of reputation and prestige right. and academic prowess and oh. probably I'm sure some of it is just how famous they are. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so well so here. So so there were six universities that they oh. included in this list. Is this list.
1: within America or worldwide? No. Well, worldwide.
3: I, uh, this is worldwide. However, okay. I will give you the breakdown. <laughs> uh, most of them, four of them, are in America. Okay. So, okay. Right. so there are six universities here. What do you? Would you guys like to guess how many? I bet you guys can guess. I all all okay, can I guess, guess the other two. Okay. Well, so mm-hmm. wait, let's start from the top. So all right,
0: Harvard. Harvard
3: is on the list. Yale. Yes. Yale is not on the list. Oh, Stanford? Stanford. Stanford is on the list. Berkeley. Berkeley is on the yeah! list. Yeah. O- Oxford? <laughs> Oxford is on Cambridge. the list. Cambridge is on the yeah. list. Yeah. MIT.
1: MIT. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Right. Like, what are all the schools my parents oh, okay. used to... Uh, yeah.
3: right. So what I thought was really interesting looking at this list of six was uh, Stanford University, California, Berkeley, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and Harvard, and Oxford and Cambridge was, what, what, what do you guys notice about those uh, schools that stands out? They're
1: all like, they're all not nice to each other. They're
3: all rivals. I thought yeah. that was really neat that they were three sets of just diehard collegiate university rivals. Intense like, rivals. Intense rivals. <laughs> intense rivals. Yeah. Now, to be fair, uh, Harvard does also have the Yale rivalry. And a lot of schools have more than one rivalry within the same state. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all, you know, regionally close to each other. And so, in keeping with the theme of back to school, part of coming back to school for every school year is, you know, just firing up, especially the new freshmen or the incoming students with, like, these are our rivals rivals and you, have he, to hate you must hate them oh, you know man. I've never even yeah. heard it's of this other school it's, it's really
0: intense yeah it's yeah. weird
3: it is intense um, <laughs> so i wanted to talk just a little bit about some of the, just the crazy world of college rivalries and university rivalries and you know a lot of it for perhaps not surprising reasons to all around sports. Especially in America, the big thing is football. There's, there's no doubt that college football is just the rivalry comparison for any two big schools. It's hard to beat Oxford and Cambridge for length of competition, yeah. since they've been rivals since the 1200s. Uh, Oxford and Cambridge, of course, you guys probably know, has their boat race every year, yeah. which is a big deal! It's mm-hmm. a big deal! Down the River Thames. They've been doing this since 1829. Cambridge leads the all-time series, 81 to seventy six. Oh, uh, close! Really it close. It is close. There was only one dead heat apparently uh, in eighteen seventy seven. Too close to call. It's called at wow. a time. Wow!
1: Yeah,
3: in America, it is all about football, college football. Um, so I want to just very quickly go over some good trivia and names because we do get these at pub quiz. Yes. You know, we'll yeah. say what two schools compete every year for the blank trophy. Oh, right. Or, yeah, these two schools have the oldest. Blah blah blah. So. <laughs> So I think even if you're not a sports fan or a football fan in general, these are these will be some interesting things just to kind of file away. The longest running college football rivalry oh. in America, University of Michigan and University of Notre Dame. Oh okay. yes. Um so that is the longest running rivalry. They've been playing since eighteen eighty seven. This year's game set a record for the highest attendance ever at a college football game. Wow. With a wow. hundred and fifteen thousand one hundred and nine people. That's a lot
1: of blue mm. whales. That is a mm. lot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we convert that to our standard blue whale unit. Mm-hmm. The blue knit. Uh, the yeah. blue knit. We were calling them Blueys, but blue knit is much better. Uh, so uh, University of Oregon and Oregon State University each year, they their name for their game is the Civil War. You know, they all they all have these trumped up huh. names to Why? really make it important. Wow. They fight for the Platypus Trophy. All right, which as it sounds like it's a statue of a little platypus. Do you guys do you like guys... taxidermy? This is uh, so surreal. It's a civil war yeah. well, for a platypus in Oregon. It's carved. It's a I mean it's a it's a statue. Well, cuz one right. school is the ducks. Yes, go on. And the other oh, school the is... beavers. Yes. Wait, is That's, that is that That true? is why it is. They fight Oh my oh. goodness. When they first commissioned the trophy between the two schools, they're like, "Let's come up with something that represents both, both animals." Yeah. So we're like, "Well, the platypus says the it's, duck bill it's, and it's the beaver body. Tail. Oh yeah. my goodness. And that is what they okay. fight for. That's All right, now cool. I like it. Now That's I like great. it. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's right. really nerdy and awesome. <laughs> yeah. USC, University of Southern California, and Notre Dame, they fight each year for the Jeweled Shalala Trophy, huh. which, as it sounds huh. like, is a shalala, a big club. And each year after the victory, they'll put a new jewel on representing. Oh, uh. I, representing.
1: I thought you were saying every time after the show, they hit someone with it. I'm like, that is
0: <laughs> a horrible
1: the
2: captain tradition. Of the winning team is beaten with the jeweled shillelagh.
0: Question: pronouncing
2: shillelagh. 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 Shillelagh.
3: Shillelagh. 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 The jeweled shillelagh. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and each year they stud it with a new decoration. Wow. Mm, yeah. Wow. It's, it's a blingy. <laughs> yeah. Bedazzled. It is an amazingly <laughs> bedazzled, bedazzled phallic trophy. Possibly uh-huh. the most phallic oh, of all, all the trophies yeah. given out. <laughs> I ever. just think uh, about a jewel that. Incred- and And again, just to drive the point home, if you're not a fan of the college sport rivalries, the deal with these things is that the winning school gets to keep it that for year. For a year, Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and you put it on display in your trophy case. Yeah. Stanford and Berkeley, Cal Berkeley. Do you guys remember what we fight for? Yeah. Thing, right? The axe. The axe. Oh. It's the, the Stanford axe, huh. which is, that one goes back to an old uh, pep rally, basically, at Stanford in 1899, hmm. where they were using it to uh, decapitate, like, a, a straw man representing the Cal students, the Berkeley nice. students. So, <laughs>
0: yes. really. I see they take it so far, you guys. Like, like the Berkeley-Stanford, when we went to those schools, like, it is crazy. They set this <laughs> like, on
1: fire. <laughs> really, they, really intense. They would make piadas of people.
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Every. It's weird. Every time you say the name, you have to hiss. You yeah, have to like, yeah. I still
3: uh, do that. SMU, Southern Methodist University, and TCU, Texas Christian, they fight for the iron skillet. And it oh, is an actual iron skillet. It's not some it? oversized, you know, golden. It's, it's like a yeah. normal skillet. It's an iron That's skillet. That's awesome. all. victory
0: breakfast. Dinner. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, victory
3: yeah.
0: bacon. <laughs> victory bacon. Okay. Well, so uh,
3: the TCU mascot uh, is the Horn Frogs. All right, the Texas Christian Horn Frogs. Wait, what are
0: they going to do with the skillet? Well, now? the
3: story. The story oh, goes on. back to a game in the '40s that an SMU fan, I guess, was uh, you know before the game was uh, frying up some frogs legs in huh. the skillet, That's kind cute. of like we're going to get you. The University of Louisville and the University of Cincinnati. This this one might be my, my favorite, just because it's, it's the most absurd.
2: An they, empty can of nair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the empty can of nair.
3: They fight for the ke- the keg of nails.
2: Oh, <laughs> they're so close! Yeah, no, really, really close. Oh, wow.
3: is it really a keg of like? It, it's a replica now. <laughs> it's, it's a, a replica <laughs> now.
2: Because it couldn't After get under like a real died. <laughs> They
0: <laughs> <From> actually. <tenus>. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> Every year, someone had to jump in the keg of nails. Oh, my God. The captain of the losing team. That's, that's where they keep the victory beer, in the keg of nails. <laughs> yes. Once upon a time, it was, in fact, a keg of nails. Symbolizing that the players are tough as nails. Yeah. And so those are just some of the fun rivalry game names and trophy names that I came into doing my research.
1: Almost time for the final bell for our school episode. And I'm going to end it with a Quiz. About lots of movies have been made about prep schools, about boarding schools. Mm. So oh, here I have a pretty varied uh, quiz. It's some questions about movies that take place, or is about boarding schools or prep schools. So what I'm gonna do is mm. I'm going to give you a quick one-line summary and buzz in and tell me the full title of the movie okay okay harry potter and the sorcerer's stone
2: (laughs) they're all harry potter yeah it's about seven movies
1: (laughs) they're very i hate all of them all right we know you karen that's our (laughs) show
0: (laughs) okay well
1: let's get this out of the way (laughs) okay Kenneth Branagh plays charming but useless (laughs) Professor Gilderoy Lockhart in this boarding school movie.
2: Full title, please. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Correct. Who is Harry Potter (laughs) and the Chamber of Secrets? All
1: right. Uh, This movie, set in the fictional Welton Academy, featured two very famous movie quotes, Oh Captain, My Captain, and Mm -hmm. Carpe Diem.
2: Mm. Chris? Uh, The Dead Poets Society? Correct. Correct.
1: Brendan Fraser plays a Jewish high schooler who (laughs) hides his religion to fit in with his posh prep school friends.
3: Was this School Ties? It
1: is School Ties. Oh, yeah. Very young Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. This is
2: not a a wacky comedy movie. No, no. No, This This is is serious serious drama.
1: School Ties. This British film franchise is based on a cartoon that started in the 1940s about a chaotic and uncontrollable all-girls prep school. Uh, British listeners will definitely get this one. And Dana. Guess. St. Trinians? Correct. St. Trinians.
3: I like your, yeah, British listeners and Dana.
1: After winning the Junior Goodwill Games as Team USA, a band of eccentric but athletic kids try to adjust to prep school life as the new junior varsity team. Dana,
0: full title, please. Is this Mighty Ducks 2? Incorrect. Am I on the right track? Yes. Yes. (laughs) It is D3
1: colon Mighty Ducks, which is... Yeah. When this movie came out, it was kind of weird, but I was like, didn't they just win, like, at <laughs> Team Olympics. USA? Yeah, they and, did. And now they're in this JV team for a school. All right. This coming-of-age movie starring Chris O'Donnell is so good, it makes you want to say, whoa
3: uh-huh. <laughs> oh, Oh, uh, uh, Scent of a Woman. Yes, yeah. Scent of a Woman. Very awesome Al Pacino And
1: a very young Philip Seymour Hoffman.
3: Ah. No. He was also in that movie. Although he still looked 50.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chronologically young. And last one. Charles and Eric started an academy to help train special young kids to develop their extraordinary talents.
3: Oh, uh, Colin. Colin's excited. Uh, the X-Men universe.
1: X-Men or- mm. X- X-Men oh.
2: X-Men first class. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay.
1: Good job, everybody. Uh. And that is our show all about school stuff. Thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot. Oh, man, learned a lot about <laughs> pencils, about Oregon Trail, about teachers, about freshman 15, a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And also join us on Facebook and Twitter and thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Audible. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.
3: Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse?